Thank you for joining us for episode 24 of Head Start. Uh, This is a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders and anyone else who would like to listen in prepare for the upcoming lesson. All right, fellas, how was it? That was my best Matt Adams, other than saying adult instead of adult. It was it was like he was in the room with yes. us. Yes. Well, well done. You said it in less time, I do believe. So uh, that's that good. good. Orlando speed as opposed yeah. to Prattville, I guess. That's right. Well, so we begin every week with some sort of get to know you questions. Some are serious. Uh, some are not so serious. Uh, today uh, is not so serious. So um, what is the dumbest way that you have ever injured yourself. And so I will go ahead and start while you think of this, if you've not already thought of something. I think the uh, one that comes to mind for me was we had rented a an inflatable slide for one of our children's birthdays. Yeah. And of course, dad has to get out there and test it and play with them. And I went down thinking just normal head first uh, down the slide and something pulled in my back. And uh, yeah, I, every once in a while it will flare up still from, oh, from that. Uh, so the inflatable slide was my uh, dumbest way to get injured for sure. Yeah, it's pretty good. It is good. I feel like Matt gave us this one on the week that he happens to be gone because his is like really inspiring. So we'll need to ask him when he gets back or get him to catch us up. Uh, For me, this was the story just gets worse and worse. The more detail you find out. Uh, We were on our way to Mission Fuge one year when I was in student ministry, uh, headed up. I don't even remember which camp this was or what year uh, it was. Um, But we were on a charter bus going up to camp and, you know, we'd stop for dinner somewhere along the way. And uh, whatever it was, me and my friends, I had a circle of three or four. We saw a Taco Bell on the way. It was real close, but the bus drove right on past it. And we stopped at like Subway or Arby's or something that, that we didn't want. And so we thought, hey, we'll just go run to Taco Bell. So we did. Now it's night. It's dark outside. Uh, and there's not really any sidewalks or anything. So we're literally just running on the side of the road to go get Taco Bell. I don't know why our student pastor let us do it, but it was dumb. Uh, On the way back, after we had eaten, uh, we didn't take note of the fact that we crossed a bridge at one point. Uh, And so on the way back, we're running there. And um, man, I'm just running like normal. And all of a sudden, there's no ground underneath me. So I fell, uh, landed on my back. Uh, It was about 10 to to, uh, 15 feet. It it could not have been 15. Um, But I mean, I didn't bounce or anything. I just, it was kind of soft and wet at the bottom, like a little ravine and just plop landed right on my back and it it messed me up for a couple of days camp was miserable for the first couple of days uh, and had cuts and scrapes all over it uh but yeah it was it was that was pretty stupid wow could have been wow. a lot worse yeah i i had a laundry list probably to pick from um i'll pick one yard work um had a um a leaf blower that i'd had for a number of years uh I dropped it uh, on the concrete, and it busted the protective shield from the, I don't know what you call the blower fan that's inside of it. It's got little spokes on it. I remember this. And so, um, you know, my thought process is I'm not going to spend money on a new blower. This thing's not worth a whole lot. And 
I'm not dumb enough to stick my finger in that spinning um, blower motor. And so I got busy and forgot all about the shield not being there, and I went to grab the bottom of the blower, and my finger went up in the in the wheel, and it broke it. And uh, it got my attention really, really quick. Oh, so my, uh, my only thought is how dumb can you really be? And uh, so safety first when it comes to working in the yard. Yeah. You had that, that finger wrapped up for a while. I did. Yeah. It stills numb on the end. So uh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. A good wow. reminder. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Um, speaking of reminders, how's that? Yeah, transition. Tim, you have uh, just a message uh, specifically to our leaders uh, during uh, uh, this time in the year. Uh, yes, uh, we want to encourage you as leaders uh, to lead by example and uh, really encourage you to be in attendance throughout November and December. And and understandably, every now and then we. Uh, we'll have family engagements this time of year that may take us out of town, but as a leader, lead by example by your presence, but also want to encourage you just to lean in on your life group members and and let them know we're we're studying, finishing up Philippians chapter 4 is powerful, and, and then we go into December, and it's going to be a great uh, month of study as well. Encourage them. Uh, to get all they can by being in life group with their attendance through these two months. And so let's let's end the year strong, uh, strong in attendance and encouragement. And uh, the best way is, is for us to do that is by being together and studying God's Word. So uh, say, just uh, offer the challenge to you as leaders and ask you to pass it on to your life group as well. That's good. That's good. So speaking of our... Uh, curriculum and going through Philippians. We are, as Tim said, in Philippians 4, and we're continuing that this week in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. And so Brian's going to take a few moments and, and kind of give us some insights as we prepare for this week's lesson. It's good. Thanks, Kyle. So, um, yep, another great passage for us to study as we look together at uh, verses 10 through 13. And I believe there's 23 verses in the uh, in the chapter. So we really are getting pretty close to the end here. Just a few more weeks to study uh, this wonderful book. But in uh, Philippians 4 verse 10, Paul's going to pivot and begin to move toward the end of the letter by just kind of talking about some circumstantial things, uh, you know, making note of particulars in their relationship uh, that he wants the Philippians to know and be aware of. Uh, so he'll talk travel plans and uh, review some past history with them as well. But in our passage today, he begins with the words, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now he's going to give a particular reason for that, but I want to just highlight the phrase because he's asked the Philippians to rejoice again and again throughout this letter. So in this opening phrase, he's letting them know, hey, that thing that I've asked you to do and challenged you with, I'm doing that as well. I, I rejoice in the Lord greatly as well. Uh, and I'm doing it all the more because, he says, once again, you renewed your care for me, um, or at last you renewed your care for me. Uh, and he says that you were concerned about me, but you lacked the opportunity to show it. So what Paul is talking about here is that the Philippians have supplied him with a gift, uh, pro probably a financial and pretty significant gift. Um, we know that in ancient times, uh, under Roman, you know, whether it was prison or house arrest or whatever, uh, the um, the person who was jailed 
had no way of earning income in order to meet their own needs or pay for their own bills, which they still had to do. It wasn't like our you know, prison system where you get residence and a bed and shelter and three square meals a day. Uh, it was uh, much less concerned for the well-being of the prisoner. In fact, if your friends neglected you while you were in prison, uh, then you could pretty much just rot and starve your way uh, to death. And so Paul is rejoicing greatly because the Philippians have renewed their care for him. They've demonstrated that by, um, by giving him a gift. Now, Sometimes the way that we translate this can show as if like they were late or tardy in providing mm. their gift to him, yeah. uh, and that's not what he's saying. Uh, he's he's not saying that they were untimely in a way that hurt Paul. The rest of our passage is going to confirm that that is not the case. Uh, but what happened instead was that Paul knew the Philippians were willing and wanting to give him a gift. Uh, they just didn't have the opportunity to do so until Epaphroditus was able to go uh, journey there and provide, you know, provide Paul with it. This is kind of like how we might poke fun at somebody who was late for a meeting, but they had every good reason to be late for that meeting. You know, they got pulled over or there was a car accident or all the things happened to them. So it's not that they just were tardy for poor reasons, like they didn't leave the house on time. Man, they wanted to to be there on time, but things just went wrong on the journey. Um, so I think that's probably what's, what's going on here. Um, think that it's important. One of the commentaries uh, makes note of the fact that this passage is flanked by, uh, in, in verses 6 through 7 of chapter 4, Paul's reference to, or, or, or command to the Philippians to not be anxious about their own needs. And then on the back side of the passage in 4.19, he's going to tell them, uh, assure them even, that God will supply their needs, right? And so he's both teaching and thanking in this passage. He's saying, hey, thank you for your gift, but at the same time, I want you to know I'm not saying this out of need. Like, Paul is not the kind of person who's going to grumble at God if he has to go a little hungry or be a little cold or even be a little bit deprived from things that we would consider as needs. Uh, He wants to teach the Philippians that even before their gift arrived, he had everything that he needed. And he'll explain how that can be again at the end of our passage today. But two times um, in the verses at hand, 11 and 12, he says, hey, I'm, I'm good. I've learned how to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. It's important that we pay attention to the verbs that are going on here, and I, I do think that sometimes our, our, uh, our translations of the Bible can trip us up a little bit uh, because he uses a couple of different uh, verbs. The first one that he uses when he says, I've learned to be content, is it comes from manthano, which is that uh, discipleship word, right? The, right. A pupil or a student or a learner. Uh, I've learned how to be content. Uh, and this is a pretty typical word. What he qualifies it with is, hey, I've learned how to make do with a little or how to be brought low. Uh, and I've learned how to make do with a lot or how to abound. Um, when he says content, it's, it's interesting because the notion of contentment at the time had more to do with like self-sufficiency, like I've got this, you know, uh, I, I, I don't mind being hungry because I've learned how to just kind of bow up underneath the, the pain of, of hunger. I, I don't, I don't mind being poor because I've learned how to make do without having many of the creature comforts that, that we take for granted, 
But that is not the kind of contentment that Paul is talking about. Notice that he says, I've learned how to make do with a little, or I've learned how to make do with a lot. Uh, in the next verse, he's, he's saying, I know how to be well-fed, and I know how to be hungry. I know how to live in abundance or how to live in need. So it's not just this, I'm good no matter what's going on. It's that there's a deeper secret to contentment, which again, he's wetting their appetite. He's not revealing what the secret is until we get to, uh, to verse 13. But that second word uh, for how he's learned the secret to being content is actually muo, which is a really weird uh, word in this passage. Um, it, it actually referred to like initiation processes. Um, most frequently it was used for like secret religions back in the day uh, of being initiated into the practices of those secret religions. So it's kind of like, you know, what we would call initiation for like an exclusive club or a fraternity or a sorority uh, where there's like this secret ceremony that happens and you initiate people into it. Uh, obviously, Paul's not not comparing that to Christianity. I think he's ironically borrowing that language to say, like, God has taken me through the school of contentment. God has initiated me into uh, the school of contentment. And again, he's going to reveal the the big secret uh, for how God got him there uh, in verse 13. But it's important that we uh, hang steadfast on the learning of contentment, the learning of contentment. That's what Paul is trying to get us to see in this passage, that he has learned how to be content. That, that's good, Brian, and, and so uh, applicable for the day and time in which we live to remind us uh, in a culture that is so filled with discontentment, uh, even inside the household of faith and in, inside the body of Christ, there's so many people that that have not learned uh, that secret of contentment as a child of God. And so I want to encourage life group leaders in in this area on page 16 in in the material that I have, a couple of questions about contentment. Why is contentment often a struggle in our lives? I think think we need to push pause and and really do some thinking so that we can learn, as Paul went through that school of contentment, we can learn why we struggle. Uh, why is contentment such a struggle for me? Mm-hmm. And a follow-up question, how does focusing on other people or our surroundings feed discontentment, uh, particularly in social media life? And, you know, how does that fuel uh, that attitude or thought process of discontentment? And uh, then keep studying and, and, and uh, digging in the Scripture because Paul is going to tell us Uh, how to focus in order to be content. So just lean in there because discontentment is a big temptation for all of us, uh, and uh, we as believers have a pathway uh, to secure contentment that Paul is going to reveal to us. Yeah, I think that's um, that's well said, uh, Tim, and, and, a, and a really important question for us um, because again, you you got to hear from somebody who like Paul has gone through it. I mean, yeah, he has known riches and wealth, and he has known poverty. He has gone through some incredibly difficult circumstances. So when he says, uh, you know, I, I really have learned in every circumstance or in all circumstances, every situation, I've learned the secret. Man, the Philippians and and we as well, we really should be leaning in and being like, 
All right, Paul, then what is it? Like, how do you get to this point? And that's when we come to verse 13, which uh, is, and you probably heard this before, leaders, this is one of the most misused verses in all of Scripture. Uh, You know, the most common example is easy for me to make fun of because it was an old Florida Gator who painted underneath his eyes every time he got on the football field, Philippians 4.13, right, Tim Tebow? Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or uh, through him who strengthens me. Uh, and, and, And I'm not saying that Tebow was wrong for doing that. I think it was a great witness and uh, cool story that that was like the most Google searched verse uh, during a Florida game one time. And it, it was, it was neat. Uh, but ultimately this is not a verse about strength. This is a verse about weakness, right? True. And the weakness that leads to strength. If you walk away memorizing Philippians four thirteen and saying something like, I've got this, then man, you missed the point of this verse. Um, if you want to get good at contentment, here's what Paul says, embrace this phrase. I don't have this. I don't have this. I'm not strong enough for this, but the one who strengthens me is strong enough for this. I can be content because in every circumstance, every situation, the one thing that you can't take away from me is Christ who strengthens me. The one thing that I'll never be without is Christ who strengthens me. Uh, I think of a reference in Hebrews 13, right? Be content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. That's the secret to contentment. Uh, No matter how hungry or how full, no matter how prosperous or how scarce your life is, if you have Jesus, you have everything. I think uh, just two things to, to, to finish it out. Uh, the sad thing is that we in America, especially, or the Western church at large, who possess more than anyone else in all of history, have a harder time learning the lesson of contentment than most other people in the world. True. As it turns out, uh, that is there's a direct connection between those things. Contentment comes through Jesus. So whether you have much or little, need or plenty, you will be content if you fix your eyes on him. But the more distractions that exist around you, the more difficult of a time that you'll have generating that kind of focus on Jesus. We're discontent because we are distracted. Um, I want to close the passage discussion with a quote from N.T. Wright, who's one of my favorite uh, writers and New Testament scholars. He says, uh, in this passage, we gain here a window on Paul as a very human Christian, facing difficulties and troubles and having to learn the hard way how to cope with them. There's no instant or easy solutions for him, no casual leave-it-all-to-God approach, ignoring the real problems of Christian living and ministry. No, the steady schoolwork that God has set before him of finding out the secret of having plenty or having nothing. And this is the secret. As with everything else for Paul, the God he knew in Jesus the Messiah enabled him to face everything with a strength that came from outside. That's a promise for anyone and everyone who is prepared to go to the same school and learn the same lesson. That's good. That's good. And that just uh, puts the exclamation point on verse 19 that we'll get to next week uh, that Paul was saying by testimony, by personal experience, that I know that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. So uh, it's exciting things and important lessons for us to learn. Uh, Just lean into the measures as you uh, lead your life groups in this. 
uh, as we are students who are learning to live differently, this is one mindset and attitude that, that we really need to embrace to know that it is in Christ that we have all that we need. And our, our contentment is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and not in the circumstances that are, are going uh, on in our life at that particular time. So contentment can stay steady as circumstances change. Uh, you abound and you lack, but Jesus is the same. And so his sufficiency is there for us. So uh, as students embracing that relationship and, and the promise that we have the power of God at work within us and the promises of God to uh, direct our steps and, and help us hold on uh, day by day. So as a student, uh, how does your contentment, uh, how is it viewed to the people around you? Is it different or do you find yourself stressed and, and anxious? Um, also, as a friend, uh, as you listen in to others' conversations, maybe they're just struggling with a lot of anxiety or struggling with circumstances that have all of a sudden changed and we don't know how we're going to make it uh, you know, next month or, or where income's coming from. How can you as a friend encourage them in Christ through unsteady circumstances but through a changeless Savior and uh, be there for them? And uh, as children of God, uh, you know, make true contentment. Uh, how does being a child of God bring contentment in your life? And uh, the measure is, as, as we are children of God, make true contentment available uh, for you. How does that being a child of God bring contentment in your life? And it's through that personal relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And that that's what Paul talks about uh, in Christ. I can do all things. That's great. That's great. Very challenging. Um, so when it comes to our live it out uh, points this week, um, the second one we've we've been doing throughout this month, sharing your story uh, with uh, the person that you've been intentionally engaging uh, for the sake of the gospel. So a wonderful time to actually take that next step of of sharing how Jesus has transformed your life uh, with that person. So uh, big uh, live it out point there. The first one, though, uh, for this week, I think is really good as well. Um, identify five things from the book of Philippians that you will consistently give thanks to God for. Mm. It's not random, uh, you know, a random five things that you're thankful for because our contentment isn't found in those other things. So we're not going to find contentment in giving thanks for the possessions that we have or the opportunities that we have. But but things from the book of Philippians, and Philippians is always pointing us back to Christ. And so uh, really using this book to um, saturate your prayers and really to drive your prayers of thanksgiving to God uh, not only fosters a, a less anxious heart, but also uh, some real contentment in your life. So um, just challenge your, your people within the group to identify. Take some time, read through Philippians again, kind of look through it again, and, and identify five particular things that they can give uh, thanks to, uh, to God for. So that should be a really good and helpful live it out point uh, this week. 
When it comes to announcements this week, we do have one big one that we really want to just encourage you as life group leaders to be a part of, and then also um, to include your life group, if at all possible. Be here this coming Sunday, the 12th, at 2.30. Uh, meet, meet us in the East Venue as we go out and visit uh, new homeowners in our area. Just a great time to engage our community, to uh, welcome people to our community and also to invite them to come to Liberty. Uh, we've seen over the months and years of doing this, people come to Liberty because of this kind of ministry and engagement. It's so easy. And if your life group members have kids, uh, the kids love doing this as well. Um, I know when I take mine out, we take ours out, they are, uh, they are racing up to the door to hand the uh, information to the people. Um, and so uh, it's just a great opportunity. It's just for an hour. Come out and do that if you are able to be there. 2.30 uh, this Sunday in the East Venue. Meet us and we'll go out and welcome our community and invite our community. Um, so... That is uh, all for this week. Thank you for listening. We do hope that you found um, this episode very helpful as you prepare for this week's lesson. And we want you to have a great rest of the week, and we will see you on Sunday.